everybody, and welcome to the Picard Cast. As always, I'm Brooke, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Rebecca. Hello, good to be back aboard the Enterprise, talking about Picard. Yeah, so it's pretty great. Uh, we've got a great friend here. His name's Neil. He's very cool. He likes Star Trek, so that's a good reason he's here. And, uh... <laughs> Won't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit to us? Let us know kind of what got you into Star Trek, uh, you know, why you picked this episode, that kind of thing. Just... Yeah. Um, hi, I'm, I'm Neil. <laughs> uh... And you're an alcoholic. We know. <laughs> no. It's okay. So yeah, am well, I. There's it's that. Right. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> See, it's, it's, I was it's, thinking it's like Mickey Mouse Club, like. <laughs> oh, well, me, Neil and I met at an AA meeting years ago, so we've been ever since. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a little. You know, just... that's not far from the truth. I mean, oh. It's a PCL thing, so yes. Just a little uh, <laughs> of background, you guys. They live thousands of miles apart, the opposite ends of the country. <laughs> that is also true. So what a crazy yeah. AA meeting that would be. Crazy, I know. It's <laughs> wild. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got into Star Trek. In elementary school, uh, my parents, my mom especially, got me into it. Uh, she had watched it as a kid. Both my parents had. And uh, she bought me the novelizations of the first three seasons of the original series. And reading those, because I was a big-time reader growing up, um, that's pretty much all I did was go out in the forest and read books. And reading those really got me into the Trek lore and just kind of the whole philosophy behind it. And I really connected with it. And then, um, then I used to run, my grandparents lived about a half a mile away from us in the forest. And I used to run up there after school every day because they got the local TV channel that aired Star Trek, the next generation in the afternoons. So I would watch that after school with my grandparents. And then I used to watch uh, Deep Space Nine before I watched Saturday morning cartoons. Um, so I have a very interesting path to loving Trek, but it, it definitely has stuck with me. I've been doing a rewatch of Enterprise the last few weeks. Um, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves because the theme song is so god-awful <laughs> that it turns me off and netflix is great because you can just skip it so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love the idea of you living in this like little idyllic place like a little cottage out in the woods and then you just sort of walk through some trees and there your grandparents live <laughs> but somehow you have cable where you can or tv at least reception where you can watch these things <laughs> it's pretty great yeah it, it was kind of fun uh going because i had to go down a hill run down a hill run up another hill through the trees and then they got the local tv station with their antenna on their tv um and it didn't come through super clear so it was always kind of fuzzy but i i remember just they would play two episodes back to back of star trek the next generation and that's pretty much the first Trek I ever watched. And then once uh, I got a little older and realized how awesome Deep Space Nine was, and it came on at 6 o'clock in the mornings uh, before my cartoons came on, it was I, I really got into that as well. That's really cool. 
Also, I yeah. think there's probably people out there listening who don't know what a TV antenna is. Just Google it. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? Also, um, Neil, do you, do you have a sister named Gretel, and is your name actually Hansel? Because you ran through a forest <laughs> to see your grandparents? I'm just curious. <laughs> no, no sister. <laughs> but is Hansel's your house so made of gingerbread? Right <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Getting really, I'm getting really disappointed by these no answers, Neil. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Neil, I'm so sorry. I jumped in on your your joke about the house being hot. That was a funny joke. I yeah. <laughs> Why is this house so hot? Now? <laughs> Feels like an oven in here. <laughs> All right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the episode you picked was unification. Well, the two episodes. Mm-hmm. What kind of drew you to pick those episodes? Well, uh, Spock was always my favorite character out of all of Star Trek. Um, I thought Leonard Nimoy was absolutely fantastic in the role in the original series and then in the movies. And then I thought that the interplay, unfortunately there wasn't a lot between him and Picard, mm-hmm. but I thought that what they did have was super i mean that's trek at its core is this philosophical debate between two incredibly intelligent people pulled off by awesome actors Mm -hmm. and it just it really speaks to me And, and the whole idea of of spock going back and trying to reunite the people is is it really it really speaks to the core of the Trek values, and I really appreciate that about it. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <Aww. laughs> all right, so let's get into it. I'm excited to hear all, you know. Me too. You were so eloquent. I'm so excited to hear what you have to say about <laughs> this ep- these episodes, because they were, they were pretty good episodes. All right, um... When we start out with this episode, it is uh, Season 5, Episode 7, uh, originally aired November 4th, 1991, and that was like a week and a half or so after Gene Roddenberry died, so we get a little thing on the screen, Gene Roddenberry, 1921 to 1991. Um, He actually passed away before the episode that before this came out, but I'm assuming because it was 1991... They couldn't quickly put a dedication to them and do him in there as quickly as they can nowadays. Uh, you know, with everything being all digital now, it's a lot easier to just go in there and drop a drop a screen in. But um, anyway, so you know that that adds a little solemnness to this episode. Whenever you go back and watch it, since it's still in there, I feel like uh, <clears throat> the synopsis is: Captain Picard and Data follow Spock into Robian space on a dangerous mission, and my computer had auto-corrected it to SATA, or I hit S instead of D, so a little behind the scenes. <laughs> I just like to tell people of silly things that I mess up on. <laughs> Who is SATA? Because I was looking at it, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I it's not even that I can't read my own writing. I can't read my own typing. <laughs> All right, so in the first scene, oh. it's Stardate Four five two three three point one, and again for all of you out there who are want to know what day that is, it is Sunday, October eighth. You know, Earth time, uh, twenty three sixty seven, and it's about 
five thirty. The air- it was the cool breeze coming in from the west <laughs> with a chance of rain later on that night. <laughs> I love how exact was- the the calculator is. Like I know. when you put in the start date, it down to the minute. It's pretty yes. funny. <laughs> yes, yes. It's so hilarious. do you do you plug it into like a a website or something? Yes. No, we're just very okay. smart, <laughs> and we no. I'm teasing. We yes. Uh, Brooke found uh, a very helpful website, which we will share with you guys. Yeah. Um, you can plug in any uh, regular date uh, or a star date, and it will convert it to for you. And it is divided by original series mm-hmm. dates and TNG and going forward dates. Yep. Huh. That's amazing. And it has a lot of explanation on why they're different and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody's found a reason. Uh, yeah, oh, There's a lot of text on that website. <laughs> I kind of skipped a lot of it. If, if there's anything Trek fans are good at, it's it's explaining stuff because <laughs> Being we love we love the science babble. Oh boy, do we love the techno babble. We'll, we'll invent it up if we have to. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, all right, so the Enterprise is recalled to Starbase 234. Uh, they were going to go on a terraforming mission to Dorak 1. Now it's canceled. You know, they're, they're sad. <laughs> uh, we see Picard with Admiral Brackett discussing an ambassador who has disappeared. Um, I don't. Have we seen her before? Because I, I, I know I had so. seen this episode, but I didn't remember if I had ever seen her before. Because Neil, let me give you a little background on me. I haven't seen all of these episodes yet. Oh. Um, I've seen. I don't know. I probably had seen maybe half of the episodes or three quarters of the episodes. So there's some that I'd never seen. Um, and I'm going back and rewatching all of them. So I'm about, I'm on season two now, Oh, but I started, no, I started on season four. It's really strange. (laughs) I like Dr. Who. So everything's timey wimey. (laughs) Um, no, I ended up while watching episodes for this. I ended up just watching straight through season four and then all the way to the end. And then I went back to one and, Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a big difference, isn't it? Yeah, and then so <laughs> I'm on season two, so I have to finish season two, and then I have season three. So I'm not counting the episodes that I'd already seen from that, but I'd say there's probably I say there's probably about fifteen or twenty more episodes I have not seen at all. Okay. And the now rest wait, I've have, seen for have you seen the most important one of all, which is where Doctor Crusher has sex with a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the most important episode of TV ever, Listen. in my opinion. She... It wasn't a ghost, it was an alien life form that was energy. She had that with a ghost! Like, that's one that I, like totally remember from seeing when I was a kid, and it was so funny watching it again. Don't forget she also had sex with a trill. Yeah. That was in Riker's body. And I feel like somebody else, did she, I don't know. I feel like she's she's getting all the, the good stuff, and then poor Troy is getting all the, like, mind rapes. Oof. Yeah, I know. Terrible. Terrible. There's some There's some pretty awful stuff that happens to Troy. Yes! Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and 
So. But yes, yeah, right, right. right. This is the only time that Admiral Brackett ever appears. Okay. Yeah, because I hadn't didn't had you know I didn't see her after that. Yeah. Um. So they're discussing this ambassador that's disappeared. She uh, gets the base's computer to come online to the this one that they're at, and she's talking about it and you know being sort of vague. So then the first time you watch it, you're not really sure who it is, I guess. And then she's like. <laughs> Oh, he's been on Romulus, blah blah blah, and then she, you know, swirls it around, and you see Spock. It's like yes. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> so apparently, <What's> happening? <laughs> no, but he can't be. He's from the other series. <laughs> <laughs> As if this hasn't already happened in this in yeah. this show. Um, so we find out that Spock has been missing for about two days. And he's been seen on Romulus uh, by means of surveillance camera, which is this footage that we see him, uh, like, talking. And they're worried that he's defected to the Romulans. And since he's an ambassador, this could mean trouble for the Federation. So do you all remember seeing this originally and and wondering if it could be possible that Spock has changed teams? I remember watching this live and being like, first of all, how dare you? Even though that meme didn't <laughs> exist yet. Second of all, <laughs> um, there's no way Spock would ever defect. So, you know, my little uh, teenage heart knew that there was no way they were going to make Spock a defector and that there had to be some sort of mission here. I love that, like, 14-year-old Rebecca created No, you didn't. I, I created the first of all, how dare you me? Yes. I mean, I did it in the 90s first. She's all You're like, welcome. Hmm. No. <laughs> all of the things that we hold dear are, are thanks to Rebecca. Oh, God. The I, I don't think so. True, but no. The no, you didn't. The <laughs> All of them. Oh, my God. All of them. Wow. I just did me. That's, uh, the presence of royalty. Wow. Oh. Exciting. <laughs> I don't... I remember what? I watched this show when I was a kid, and I didn't... I wasn't, like, super into it, but I watched it, if that makes any sense. Um, and I don't remember being, like... Either way. Like, I'm trying to think back what I thought about this, because I remembered seeing this on... And I'm just like, all right, so what's going to happen kind of thing instead of no way or, oh, my God. You know, I wasn't like I didn't have like strong feelings either way. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember not being fooled by not, yes. the whole see defector thing. Uh, I mean, because it's Spock. He, he doesn't do anything that's wrong ever. Mm -hmm. That would be illogical. Right. Mm -hmm. It'd be totally it, illogical. It would be illogical. That that's the whole point, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> after this, uh, we see Picard in the observation room. Uh, he's got a voiceover, and it reminds us that he's mind melded with Spock's father, Sarek, uh, and now he must go tell him that Spock might be a defector. You know, so. Hmm. Uh, he's planning to meet with Sark, and he, uh, 
to see what he knows about Spock because, you know, he wants to get some information, see if maybe he knew that he left or whatever because uh, it just seemed like he just disappeared and then they saw him on this tape. Uh, Riker comes in to inform Picard that they're approaching the Vulcan orbit and that Perrin, Sarek's wife, will show up instead uh, because Sarek's sick, uh, which we found out in previous episode when they did the mind meld and all that, that, that Sarek was sick, uh, which I went back and watched because I had not seen that one to give me some clues into this one. Mm, that's a great episode, it is too. A really, it was a good episode. A yeah. great episode, yeah. Um, Captain Picard yeah, being all like emotional and stuff was really crazy. Enjoyed it. Um, what's, what's interesting is that like as I'm doing this rewatch of, of Enterprise, they bring back that same disease mm-hmm. to give to T'Pol, like in the first oh. or second season. Interesting. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't, they, I didn't they, watch they, Enterprise. They reuse it. Hmm. It's worth it. It's totally, it's totally worth it, Rebecca. Theme song aside. You know, it, it's weird, <laughs> but like the, the theme song is the least problem I have with that show. Like, really? Um, I really tried hard to get into it and I just found it to be, uh, I, I need to revisit it because it has been a long time since I watched it. And I feel like if I watch it now with the age I am with new eyes, I think I'll have a different appreciation for it. So I think you will too. It, It definitely does go back to the well. It does touch on too many of the episodes that have already existed in Trek. Okay. Like it kind of redoes a lot of them. Uh, which is a problem, but some of the stuff that they bring up is, is pretty interesting, and I think that the acting is far superior to Voyager overall. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Back to the next Sorry. generation. <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, so then Picard finds out that he's going to be meeting with Sarah's wife, uh, and before... Riker exits, Picard shows him some information about mysterious metal fragments labeled medical supplies found on a Frangi ship. Actually, I think that's the opposite. Did Riker tell Picard that? Yes. Uh, okay, anyway. Sorry, I was getting confused because <laughs> it was the other way around. Okay, so he shows him this tablet, and it makes me laugh because there are like 15 tablets <laughs> on the table. <laughs> and it's like, what happened to all our apps? Because, you know, this is way before the days right? of apps. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for the days of pads. I mean, hey, this is this is. I'm sure cutting someone, edge technology. Someone had a point. Palm Pilot where they could put in their their calendar and play solitaire on. And that's that's true. it. Oh, this <laughs> no, is no, 91. I don't think Palm Pilots even existed yet. I, I think it might be like pre Palm Pilot. There was some sort of early version. I think that was just. A calendar. I'm trying to think what when my friend's dad had one. There used to be. It I might remember have been when 93 was, or 94. Actually, there was a device. I used to have it. Um, it was just like an electronic calendar. Mm-hmm. It was about the size. I want to say like now of like maybe an iPhone 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a calendar, mm-hmm. and it was electronic. I think it ran on batteries, mm-hmm. um, and it had a stylus you could write on the screen. Ooh. I remember getting it. I was right, right out of high school, so this is late 90s, and I was just like, yeah, I am so technologically advanced. <laughs> you suckers. I and- got trick tech. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I felt very Trek walking around with it. Let me put it in my calendar. Beep, 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 beep. Computer, remind me of my appointment. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, like I, yeah, exactly. I felt very Trek. But um, it is it is wild now to see like there's like 20 pads on the table when we have one iPad that can do probably what all those pads were being used for. It, right. it's, it is wild. Yeah. <laughs> I I just remembered that my dad got me this because he used to, he always likes to buy weird newfangled things. Um, it's not like he has like the newest nicest TV, but he likes other weird things. So he had like a digital camera before I knew anybody to have a digital camera that held like you know one picture or whatever. <laughs> um, but he gave Bring me those. a thing that had a calendar. And a Rolodex in it. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh, it was sort of more calculator-like. I couldn't write on the screen or anything. <laughs> it was sort of like those little cheap calculators you hold. It was sort of that size. I remember having it in my purse. And uh, it's so weird that I just remembered that. But because he had gotten me a pager. Oh, my gosh, Because I was yeah. old enough to go off with oh. my friends and then start driving eventually. But, yeah, so... He got me a pager so they could be like, come home. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to keep everybody's phone numbers so I could know how to call them. <laughs> oh, I remember memorizing people's phone numbers. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah, me too. There was a lot of my brain space taken up by that. Yep. My parents don't have regular phones anymore, so I can't call them on their regular phones if I were stuck somewhere or needed something. I. It's all in my phone now. Sad times. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway. <laughs> more <laughs> digression. to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this mysterious metal fragments were labeled medical surprise, and it was found on a Ferengi ship. So, you know, this is something they probably need to look into because it just seems odd, right? The next scene, we see Picard having tea with Perrin. Uh, he asks if she knows why Spock's left and why he may be on Romulus. She tells Picard that Spock tied up all his loose ends before leaving, so he knew he was going somewhere. We find out that Spock and his father had a falling out because Spock had publicly, uh, like, denounced Sarek's position or opposed it on the Cardassian War. They aren't really talking anyway, but, you know, she still kind of knows what's going on. Um, and Picard asks her if he can meet with Sarek. Uh, you know, they had a mind melt. They share something. He wants to talk to him. And so she, of course, says what everybody always says. Well, because it's you, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Only for you. Okay, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Please read me the phone book. Um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I... I wrote, I wrote down that Sarek has a type because, I mean, we see her before in the other episode. I think her hair's a little bit different. But I had gone back to see what Amanda had looked like before, and she was, you know, a blonde a human or whatever. And it's like, come on, dude. Leave the humans alone. Yeah. He's definitely got a type. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I also, I do think it's interesting that Sarek, um, for all of his sort of, you know, um... Complaining about how emotional his wife was, he always he always married a human yes. woman. So 
I always found that to be an interesting, like, sort of personality trait for Sarek in that he, <clears throat> excuse me, resented but was almost attra- was attracted to that. And it kind of indicates also to Spock's struggle with his own humanity of being half-human and having to understand and balance those two halves of himself. I think it's a really interesting personality trait mm-hmm. uh, for a Spock's father to have, that he gravitates toward emotional people to be his his spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially after his first wife was a Vulcan, and their son turned out to become Cybok. Yes. That is true, yes. yes. Which is... So it's, it's... Yeah, I've yeah, almost blocked it, that I, whole movie out of my mind. <laughs> with good reason, yes, with good yeah. reason. But that's that's another thing about Enterprise that I've really come to appreciate is this, they, they really kind of dive into the whole um, Vulcan philosophy and, and why they are the way they are and how there's this other, these other sects that do mind melds and, and all the stuff we know Vulcans to be in the future, but they aren't allowed to be those people during the Enterprise era, so like, Sarek comes from this this whole offshoot of of Vulcans who are willing to look at their emotional sides and, and try and move forward, incorporating that. It's a really fascinating mindset that they're that they're, they're trying to incorporate. They're trying to go for a full logic, but they also don't want to completely lose touch with their emotions. Mm. And I That's think Sarek's marriage to humans really is indic- indicative of him trying to keep a touchstone with that emotional side of himself that he doesn't want to express himself, but he w- wants to keep around him. That's cool. Yeah. I appreciate you classing up this podcast by using. Sweet. I know. Words I like it. <laughs> I, I'm certainly not doing it, so yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think when we only have to do one a week, it'll be better. Yeah, it's because we we are yeah pulling back the curtain here. Brooke and I are furiously recording a lot of episodes in a week, and yeah. um. As much as I love Star Trek, I never thought I'd hear myself say this, but I'm a little tired of watching so much Star Trek at once, <laughs> and I can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, I'm kind of be glad when we get this done so I can take a little break from watching Star Trek. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> oh, hilarious. I, I love Star Trek as much as the next person, but there's only so much I can take before I have to go back to like Rick and Morty or... Something that's completely different. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Bake Off. That's what I watched the other morning. I was supposed to be watching Star Trek and I watched The Great British Bake Off instead. Because I needed to break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you needed a Bake Off break off. There you go. <laughs> Picard gets to go see Sarek, so he goes to the planet. Uh, he... Uh, we're talking about they're talking about how he Sarek suffers from Bendai syndrome. Did I say that right? Ben mm-hmm. Bendai, yeah. It's I was like bendy. that's what it looks like, but I didn't think that's how they said it. <laughs> kind of bring that back so you don't forget from the last episode. Um or if you hadn't seen that last episode like I hadn't. 
<laughs> until recently. Um, it's a incurable, internal neuro neurological degenerative illness, and it makes him lose control of his emotions. And if you know anything about Vulcans, you know they pretty much don't show any emotion. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, basically it's devastating to Vulcans. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at, at Sarek's pain. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so his demeanor ranges from angry to delighted at seeing Picard. He, you know, he's uh, laying on this bed platform thing. At first, he's not really happy that anybody's there. You know, he doesn't want to. You know, he doesn't. Oh, leave me alone! Blah blah blah. You know, to parent and. Um, you know, she's like, no, Picard is here. And then Picard's like, Sarek, <laughs> hello, you know, kind of thing. And so finally he calms down. <laughs> You're laughing and it's making me laugh, too. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Your impersonation of Picard is spot on. <laughs> is, is Patrick Stewart on this podcast now? Oh, my God. Remember you when I'm famous. Yes. Do impressionists make money anymore? Anyway, uh, sorry. More digression. <sighs> um, <laughs> anyway, so they talk about what Spock's possible intentions were. Um, and Sarek has these moments of like dementia where he kind of forgets what they were talking about and almost even that Picard had been there. And that's really, you know, that's sort of an emotional thing because Picard's like, I've shared so much with this man and it's, I see him having all this trouble and it's really kind of, kind of sad. Um, but they talk a while and he, he gives the name of a Romulan s senator who Spock spoke with and his name is Hardeck. Hardeck. So, you know, they're talking about this. Picard gets his name, so now they know somebody to maybe look for, because maybe he knows where Spock is, you know. And so then they 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 part ways. Um, anybody have anything else to say about this scene? I actually really, um, you know, this is um, one of the. It's a, it's a quick scene in the grand scheme of the episode, but I think it's a really great. It's it's a very sad, heartbreaking scene because. Sarek, who has lived all his life by logic and control, it's now taken away from him. And and even in today's world, in in you know 2019, I mean, we have seen people grow old, have dementia, lose control of their mind and um and control of their thoughts in a, a similar way, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Um, it it just reemphasizes sort of the human connection in Star Trek of that, even though it's still in the future and there are cures to lots of diseases, there are some things that science has not been able to cure, which is old age and uh, the end of life. And I don't know, it just kind of reminds me that Star Trek is grounded in the real world in a lot of ways. And it seems like this, that just it's, it's a very Trek scene of, 
two people who are connected on a very deep level can still find that connection, even though there is a, a sort of a, a degenerative illness here involved. Mm-hmm. I do have... Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Go on. I'll let you... I'll let you continue because I was going to say I skipped a scene and apparently only typed in a little bit of one scene. So, <laughs> um, I I really appreciate the scene because it's Mark Leonard's last scene in Star Trek, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he'd been there since the first season of the original series. And yeah, he's always been Spock's dad. As a, Right. Well, he was the Romulan. He was the oh, Romulan okay. commander in the first season, gotcha. and then in Journey to Babel, he was Spock's dad mm-hmm. um, because they liked him so much. And what was it, Turnabout Intruder? Yes. Whatever the name of that episode was. Um, yeah. So he he'd been with the franchise as Spock's dad for you know since the second season, and this was his final time being on Trek, and he. It's it's a it's it's like emotionally that that for me really keys it in in that it's this actor who has spent so much of his life touched by this franchise. He was never a major character, but he was always an important one, and and his gravitas was so like he is so good as Sarek mm-hmm. that anybody who's tried to play him since has had a, a really hard time with it. Because he's so good. Mm-hmm. Seeing just this one, I didn't really know. Well, and also being young or whatever, I didn't really know like how good he was. And then see, going back, whenever we were doing this to watch the other episode where they mind meld, just seeing mm-hmm. that, like, seeing how well he did that performance, and then this one where he's he's like, yeah, moaning and sick, and then he's up, and then he's lucid and then he's gone again like he he has quite a range yeah and like other than star trek 3 where he melds with mccoy it, this is his best performance i think yeah absolutely because as you said neil like this is mark leonard's last time playing sarek and then uh in in you know in, in this episode sarek the character dies and i know that not terribly long after this, Mark Leonard himself did pass away as well. And so, um, but, but you think about Sarek as the character and him and Spock always being at odds their entire life. And Picard does sort of make a comment about that to Riker about fathers and sons. And I think that that speaks to another sort of human experience that many of us can relate to uh, adult children and their parents and, the complicated relationships that they have. Mm-hmm. And even at the end of his life, Sarek and Spock were not able to heal the rift. And, and that's, that's sad. That's sad that they could not do that. And it's only much later on in part two that we'll see how Spock mm-hmm. is able to have some closure. Well, and yeah. so this goes back to the scene where, uh, Picard was having tea with Perrin and somehow I didn't type enough uh, because she talks about whenever they had the falling out she was more offended than Sarek was and I'm like just like a stepmother <laughs> uh, no I'm kidding but you know it, she was so offended for Sarek that she helped 
put this wedge between them. Like there might have, I feel like there might have been a smaller one, and that's kind of another thing with, you know, adult children and their parents. But when you also have step parents in there, sometimes that even complicates things more. Sure. You know, as I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did miss an actual scene after that. It wasn't any big deal. It was just in the cargo bay. Jordy is telling Riker about all of these pieces that they had. That uh, the Vulcans weren't sure what they were, but it's deuterium alloy. That means it's Vulcan, and it was designed for space. And it must have had a high-speed impact for it to be like completely dismantled that way. And that the Ferengi cargo ship had picked it up in the Hanlon Astro Belt. So that means it spread over 100 square kilometers. Jordy thinks that there's a piece might be a weapons array. Riker, you know, thought about maybe there were weapons or something or parts and, you know, try to figure out what it is and put it back together, figure out if it's from anything particular. And so Jordy is like, hey, but it's like having a jigsaw puzzle without the picture. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a little, like, you know, side note. It was just a in-between, so, well, I guess they well... LeVar Burton to get some screen time in this yes. episode series. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once Picard gets back from dealing with Sarek, he's made this decision, you know, they're going to go try to find Spock and all that. And it's Captain's Log 45240.1. So that's Wednesday, October 11th, 2367. And it's about 1217. I love that it's exact minutes. <laughs> Uh, so, I love it. I love so it. it's a, a couple days after the beginning of the episode. It's about three days after. We hear Picard giving his captain's log, so we find out that he needs a cloaked vessel to cross into the neutral zone. So they head to Klingon territory to try to get one as a returned favor. He goes out on the bridge, and Worf informs Picard and Riker that there's no word from the Klingon homeworld. Although it's been three days, like I said, it's been three days since our initial meeting, you know, with Sark and all that in the first few scenes. So we find out that they were trying to get a hold of Gowron to get a ship. And, uh, you know, they were trying to get a hold of Gowron. And we find out that he's been telling everyone that he's the one that brought an end to the Civil War. Yeah, totally neglecting to even mention the help from Starfleet or Enterprise or anybody. That's why he, you know, he's not answering because he doesn't want to be like, oh yeah, I owe him a favor, because he helped, you know. <laughs> so, they have this... I was going to say, uh, th this is what I love about Gowron. <laughs> First of all, never Besides mind that... buggy eyes. Oh, I he's got the craziest <laughs> eyes of anybody. And that's the actor Just... himself. The actor who yeah. plays Gowron can do that with his eyes, which is... I don't think he blinks. I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. Does he blink? Because it looks like he never blinks. And I just remember, like, when we first meet him, there's, like, this whole scene where, like, him and Duras yes. are, like, you know, vying for the the um, control of the Klingon Empire. And Gowron's, like, chilling in the observation lounge. And then Gow and then um, Duras comes on, and Gowron yes. spins around in his chair. His eyes get to be, like, three hundred <laughs> feet big, and he's like, Duras! I was just like, who is this guy? I have to hang out with him. He's he like is... Marty Feldman oh. on crack. Oh my god, I love him. So, uh, But Gowron likes to pretend that he did all this stuff by yes. himself. 
and it's just such a like a Klingon type thing mm-hmm. to do of like the honor was all mine, you know, and I just I <laughs> love it because he like thinks he's grown now, and then Picard's here to be like him. Let me just remind you of how actually, I actually. Um... Yeah, he, he totally well actuallys him, um, appropriately so in this case, and it's just a great little. And you never see Gowron like, but in your head you're picturing the eyes, and he's like, "No, damn you, Picard!" And you know he's gonna. Do Oh, Klingons are the best it's of them. some of the best passive aggressiveness I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and the way that Picard is, like, giving it back to this, like, junior whatever Adjunct. he is. The, the guy that answers the comm, like, he's, let's see, he's a junior something. <laughs> junior A, the Klingon junior adjunct to the diplomatic delegation. So, you know, he's just like, he owes me a favor, just let him know, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, mm, we'll see, you know. And then he's just going, no, no, he doesn't know what you're talking about. Sorry, we can't help you kind of thing. But they're just going back and forth and back and forth. And it is so great because <laughs> the card's just all like, well, let him know. I would be truly gratified, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it's great Klingon banter. It goes on for oh, so long. It is. But it's it totally just, is. It's just... It's magical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> anyway, but basically, you know, he just says he needs a ship. They're like, no, yes, no, yes, no. And they're going back and forth. Well, he gets a ship and he's immensely gratified. <laughs> the next thing we see him on the ship, Picard and Data are going to go on this mission to find Spock. Oh, wait, before that, I just kept skipping things as I was writing, I guess, as I was typing. I have things written down. Uh, we have a little a little bit where it goes to the, like, the sick bay uh, crushers, checking them out and everything, and talking about changing Data's skin tone, and Riker wants Picard <laughs> to do something, and she says, she says they're about to get fitted for their wigs, or so, like, oh. their hair pieces, and Picard is like, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, uh, you've seen the short, picture of him with the hairpiece for, for the original screen test, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. That's like, that's wild. That's so um, good. Yeah. I, I was thinking, uh, yes. Brooke, um, I know you had mentioned a while ago that, like, you love an episode where they do, like, surgical alterations on people to make them look like <laughs> it's. It's wild. Like, I'll just do this random plastic surgery. <laughs> so on ridiculous, him. yes. But don't that worry. It could be totally, permanent. Don't worry. We'll, like, totes reverse it or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just so wild and casual. And I just, I remember you saying that. So when I rewatched yes. the episode, I'm like, oh, Brooke loves a good cosmetic surgery episode <laughs> in Star Trek. Well,. They don't specifically say that in this one, so I'm like, did they actually do surgery on them? I mean, they didn't on Data, because Data comes back to the Klingon ship, and he's back in his uniform and everything, and he's not But they Romulan definitely put them both anymore, in green but... face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, um... I think the idea is that, like, they probably put on, like, prosthetics, oh, God. you yeah. know, it's just, um, but they do use that term in Trek often yeah. about 
oh, he's been surgically altered yeah. to look like a blah, blah, blah. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, we're just doing random so plastic yes. surgery in the future? Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's like the one, I think I might have mentioned this one whenever we've talked about this before, but there's the one where Worf is uh, yeah. with his um, foster brother or whatever. Um, oh, what is his name? Yes, yes, yes. Where he's with him, and he gets surgically altered to go down to this planet as not to, like, break the Prime Directive or whatever. Then they come back, and he comes back, <laughs> and his brother comes with him, and then he's back to Worf, so it's like he's been surgically altered back, and then they can go back, and then he looks like those it people sure again. Is. It's yeah. like, what? <laughs> hey, well, you can cure the common cold right? with hypospray. I mean, what's I surgical know. alteration? I know. Like, I-, I love how... Um... Yeah, like like little things of like, you know, the common cold, why we've solved that back, you know, after the eugenics war in 2200. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah, I mean, hopefully one yeah. day we do have a cure for the common cold because I had one this whole weekend. Right. So, yeah, that would be great Yay. if I could have that again. So, yeah, but yeah, random plastic surgery, thumbs up. Why yeah. not? Let's just do it. <laughs> it's the future. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The future, <laughs> but also we know that they didn't necessarily have plastic surgery because Stephen Root shows Picard and Data on the ship with Captain Kavada, who is the yes. Okay, so I knew I when I was going back to you know review these episodes, I was reading stuff about them and then going back and rewatching you know all of them, whether I'd seen them or not, and then I was like, I don't who does he play? And I'm going, no, no. And so then I watched it the mm-hmm. second time of this recent time. And then I can sort <laughs> of almost hear his. Yeah. They get speech so many good people like, to play Klingons wow. in this show. I oh, never... don't they? They get so just... many great character actors to play a Klingon. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Steven Root is one of those guys that, you know, e- even if like you couldn't name off the top of your head something you've seen him in, you see his face and you go, oh, that oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's been in something you've seen. And there's no exception <laughs> here. Yeah. yeah. Well, like the dad from Family Matters was a Klingon in Enterprise. Yeah. Shut up. He was not. I'm sorry. From Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh. oh. Yes, yes, they do. Uncle I was like, well, those two guys yes. look completely also different. Also, the voice of Shredder. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, Uncle oh, Phil. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Uncle Phil. Yes. 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 Star Trek Three. Three. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd. Yes. Christopher Lloyd. And, and John Larroquette. Oh, what did you Yes. John okay. Larroquette is in that yeah. as well. As well. Oh, yeah. Thousand Kelly cams. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was oh no! Now. Really? I hadn't. I mean, oh my gosh! Uh, I was gonna say I haven't uh, seen it since uh, you know. You um, always say it's, two, it's four, the even six are better than better one, three, and five. But three is the best of the odd numbers. I concur wholeheartedly. Yes, because it's the first one directed by Leonard Nimoy. Okay, and it's. It's okay. okay. Robin Curtis, bless her heart. She's the alley, and boy, did we feel it. Like, she was just, ugh. She um, tried. She really tried. tried. But a really interesting story, a good science fiction story in in Star Trek Three. 
But yeah. I digress. We're getting off topic again. <laughs> We're going to do that a lot, This these two episodes. Yeah, sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> so we have Captain Cavada looking around for his stapler and showing Picard and Data to their quarters. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I just that's, I just need a meme of that. I'll might probably make one when we get off of here because it would be Maybe. hilarious to me. Maybe he needs to ask where his battleth is. That'd be great. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so he shows them to their quarters, and he's like, oh, these probably aren't as fancy as you're used to. Ha, ha, ha. You know, like, he's he's taken much, much <laughs> joy out of putting them in this tiny little room that's for one person that's sparsely decorated because, you know, they're not like, you know, they're just they're just some sort of little ship they don't. They don't need to have, like, extra nice quarters or anything. <laughs> so they go in there, and Picard's like, Oh, yes, this is wonderful! All right! You know, he's pretending to be so enthused by it. And then, like, how excited he is to Gah. eat, like, Klingon food. Even though it all sounds well, terrible. Cause it oh, sounds yeah, like well, talking up a Gah is trying best to when it. served yeah. live. I, mean, I would think you would know that, Neil. Right. <laughs> 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 a warrior would not stun or kill that uh, kill before. I don't even know if I can say it without spinning up. So <laughs> anyway, so great. I love it. I got so much more joy after I watched this the second time, realizing that that was Stephen Root. Just so you know, it was great. <laughs> so we go on back to the Enterprise. Uh, we get a first officer's log. Uh, Star date is four five two four zero point six. It's Wednesday, October 11th. It's about 5 p.m. Oh, and 2367. Too. Again, uh, you know, we're still the same day here uh, from the last captain's log. Yeah, uh, amazingly, same year. <laughs> In the meantime, Picard's gotten ready, Data's gotten ready, and they've gone over to the Klingon ship. And now Riker's in charge. He's doing his log. The Enterprise heads over to a Federation surplus depot. Uh, it's ran by the Zack door, and it's near Quaylor too, because they want to find out how this defense array and these other parts got on a Ferengi ship. So Riker calls the quartermaster. <laughs> his name is Clem Dakachin, and I wrote down how to say it because. Uh, Riker gets uh, dismissed by him the first time he calls him. Well, up, your name's Clem. All you got really is your. <laughs> so old Clem is really mad. It's true though. <laughs> well, I mean that was easier than his last, you know, because that's what he was mispronouncing. But I understand because I have lots of lots of fun <laughs> letters in my name that you don't say. So he calls him Mister Dokachin. <laughs> we need access. And Clem's like, Dukachin! You know? Ooh. Like, this is... It's like, you've already not started out good with this guy, so now he's definitely... He doesn't have another foot to start on <laughs> after this. But he talks him into coming over and helping them find out what these parts came from, what ship it was, if they have it, where's it at, blah, blah, blah. Also, after they get off the phone call, Riker is just... <laughs> I wrote flabbergasted because he was just like, who does he think he is? Kind of like he says that in between calls. <laughs> and then afterwards, he just gives this look like, ah, you know. Starfleet <laughs> like he arrogance. He can't imagine yeah. why it went this way. <laughs> like, right? It's 
Riker might be charming to yeah, he's some not of the a ladies diplomat. or whatever, but <laughs> no. he's not. He's, well, not he's a man of action and reverse yeah. chair mounting. Not at all. <laughs> no one mounts a chair like Riker. Uh, right, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. but, a, a man of action in all sense of the word. Yes. Oh, yeah. He loves a good Captain Morgan Reverse pose. chair mounting oh, and the Captain Morgan pose. Like, oh, really? Yeah, Jonathan Frakes has back problems. Oh, that's so why he has he to do things that? weird. Oh, interesting. Okay. I thought it was just like, I'm such a manly man. Well, I think and... he made it into a character choice, but it was because he's physically incapable gotcha. of doing things a proper way. <laughs> oh, it, it's kind of like um, on the West Wing. Um, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, thank you. I, yeah. I'm like he's he's a Sheen, but I couldn't remember which one. He yeah, has he like a weird thing with his shoulder. He the jacket which, thing, yeah. Yeah, that's why he puts the jacket on weird. Um, but what I was going to say was, you said Neil earlier, um, Federation arrogance, and it it definitely is a trait that does get brought up, um, usually by other species who mm-hmm. are maybe on the fringe of the Federation or not in the Federation. And they're like, oh, you Federation types think you can just waltz on in here and tell us what to do and blah, blah, blah. And usually, you know, us who are like Trek fans are like, how dare you, sir? (laughs) But in reality, they're right. There is a lot of arrogance with the Federation. And it's this is a scene that shows that of like Mm – Riker's almost like, do you even know who I am, bro? Yeah. Like, it's, like they're dismissive of these other people's lives. And, right. And, and, just, yeah, just yeah. because this guy does a job that, like, Riker never would, I mean, what is he? He's basically like a garbage man, a sanitation worker. So, yeah, he's a junkyard owner. And there you go, a junkyard owner. That's, that's correct. Um, And you're looking down on him. How dare he not do my thing that I want him to do on my time. And it's like, dude, he has a life. Like, let him Mm -hmm. do his job. But there is that arrogance there, and it's played off as, like, this Zach Dorn person is, like, so finicky. It's funny, but it really does speak to that arrogant tone that the Federation tends to have. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, part of it is that Clem is just really um, put off by how they all, because they all probably treat him like that, or most of them do. But what's crazy is that if he if he was someone exactly. serving on exactly, his ship, yeah. Riker wouldn't treat him like that, no matter what job he did, because he's under his command, and then he's like, okay, so I gotta treat everybody nicely, but they, at least they need to listen to what I have to say. <laughs> yeah. And when other people don't listen the to what he tells them, people, then yeah. the nerve of you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very apparent, and in, in that attitude is just the Federation supremacy over everybody. And I, that makes me understand why mm-hmm. other species are like ha, 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 fuck you <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah sure. oh we'll take our chances there are some parallels. not being in the federation i'm not gonna get into them but oh, yes they're they are yes. there yeah <laughs> that's so fun yes we totally get it um so so then we have after he gets off the phone we get <laughs> Uh, so when he gets when he gets done talking to Clem, we have Troy say kind of like, "Oh, well, good, he's gonna help us," kind of thing, and 
Riker's like, well, you know, you're going to be real happy about this, you know, sort of to her, like, implying that she's going to have to, like, sweet talk this guy. And her smile fades. <laughs> oh, like, I know. Why do you always do this stuff? Can you please use also, your boob Riker, powers of all to make people, this guy do what I want? Come like, on. Oh, come on. Oh. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I know how enchanting your yeah, chest gross. is Casual so uh, why don't you wiggle it on over here century, apparently yeah and, and well and someone that she's dated she, who is like her best friend she, like, like during the entire yeah, series and they'd almost until married they go once back before. out again and get married <laughs> no, it's frustrating and, right. and infuriating oh, yes. and Riker is the epitome of an alpha male Yeah, and it's nice been... when he gets his cabombas yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Never mind <laughs> that. Um, she's got a degree in psychology. That she is a woman in STEM. That she is a professional. No. Can you please use your boobies to make this guy <laughs> do stuff? Like, ah, oh, it's always reduced to that. Like always. <laughs> yeah. So. Worf brings Clem aboard and brings him to the bridge. Uh, they link the Enterprise's computers to the depots so they can locate what ship this array came from. Turns out it's the Tripoli. He's like, I know where that is. It's over here. We beam supplies to it every day. Okay, so they're going to go over there. Before that, though, you know, Troy does her little thing and she's just like, I, I'm sure you can help us. You know so much, kind of thing. And to me, it was like, Kenobi, one Kenobi, you're my only hope. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm the one always bringing Star Wars into this, except for except yes. for Rebecca on the the, <laughs> no, the second trailer brought in Star Wars. So anyway, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of amusing. I wrote that in my notes. Also, I think that Clem looks like he's dressed like the mayor of Munchkinland or something. He just needs like a little top hat. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, you know, different aliens have different types of I never of had that connection, and, like, and now that's all I should be. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you guys, go back and take a look at it. It's so hilarious <laughs> and spot on. I love that. <laughs> So, so they they go to the coordinates, and there's no Tripoli in that spot. So Clem starts to freak out because he's like, "We always send stuff here. Where's it going?" So Riker's like, "Maybe we should just turn off the engines, turn off the lights, just leave on light support, life support, not light support. Excuse me. Make sure we can all breathe and we can do our thing, and then see what happens. We'll just pretend like we're another." ship in this junkyard. That's what they do, but we don't get to see what happens from that until <laughs> after this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just wanted to sound like a commercial. Uh, <laughs> so, back on the Klingon ship, Data decides that the quarters are actually for one person, even though everyone can tell they're just for one person. There's no, it's not like there's bunks. There's one like tiny mm -hmm. little twin bed, bed shelf. Like Data even calls it a shelf. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's like, you can have the shelf, <laughs> which I think is amazing. So good. Um, so Data's like, <laughs> uh, yes, I'd like, 
Yeah. He's really good as Data, but it's like, you know, he, he likes to branch out and do other things, too. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just so people can see that he's he an amazing other things, actor. Or that he actually is a oh, good actor with comedic timing so and all that. Funny. So funny. And comedic funny. timing. He's a funny guy. I've talked about this before. I'll let you know, Neil. I got my picture taken with LeVar Burton, and him and Brent Spiner were going back and <laughs> forth like they were yelling at each other through the curtains. Like, Brent moved <laughs> his curtain, and they started yelling at each other and being silly, yeah. and it was so funny. <laughs> so I'm just standing there next to LeVar, LeVar Burton waiting to get my picture taken, <laughs> you know, and they're just, like, oh, saying, hilarious. like, your mom jokes or whatever, like, back and forth to each other, like, <laughs> silly things, and it was so great. <laughs> anyway. So, you know, Data's like, I don't have to sleep. I can just stand here. <laughs> don't worry about it. You take the shelf. And Picard's like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, he tries to sleep on this concrete bed, and he can't. And he rolls over, and he thinks that Data's staring at him, which that would be creepy because Data doesn't have to close his eyes either. And in reality, he's, like, processing information about the Romulans, about their culture, so that he can blend in, but he can't really blend in because he's a robot. <laughs> oh, excuse me. He's an android. Robots are different. Get it right, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, I know. <laughs> it's the only thing worse than uh, Data correcting me about it would be <laughs> a fan. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm friends with hardcore fans. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> sorry. I know I'm just I I'm, I'm just, I made I'm it go off the, the rails just being silly Munchkin myself. Land. Okay. I'll never um, see so that. Yeah. I I'll just always be that way now. Like shit, done. <laughs> Clem Dockachin. Mayor of Munchkin Land. The vote for me is a vote for houses falling on wicked witches. I mean, what's not to love about this guy? (laughs) 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 Oh my god. That's great. That's so great. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, but I think it would be creepy to roll over and see Data staring at me, whether he really actually was paying attention to me or not. Turn around. <laughs> you know, he's like that weird. He's that weird sort of paley, yellowy, shiny kind of color, and it's almost like he's like a dead body or something. Kind of like yeah. he's not gray, but also too when he um dark, you when know, Picard says, "Oh, I thought you were so, staring but... at me," and and Data says, "Oh, I, I'm sorry, I, I won't, I won't mm. stare at you. I, I, I won't look at your direction." He turns around. <laughs> he gives them the look of like. Oh, yeah. freaking weirdo. Like, he just... <laughs> which, again, yeah. is just Brent Spiner being Brent Spiner, <laughs> but, like, it, it's such a subtle thing of, like, weirdo! Like, <laughs> I'm looking at you. It's so well done. It's just so good. But it it's really... It's yeah. really data being, like, why would it's that bother so awesome. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> So, you know, then he tries to sleep again once Data turns around, and he just jumps up, and he's like, okay, let me know some of that stuff you've been looking at. You know, let's let's pull up some of that information, and they go over to the computer terminal. Well, at this time, perfect timing, Picard gets mm. beat. 
uh, by Kavada, and we find out that Sarek has died. So another sad. another layer of this mission uh, for Picard. Like now, it's more than just finding Spock. Yeah. Now it's giving Spock bad news. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so. Meanwhile, back at the junkyard, <laughs> uh, the Enterprise is still, you know, playing dead. They see the ship approach to where the Tripoli is supposed to be. It doesn't have a transponder signal. It doesn't have an ID. They're really trying to lay low and not be identified. Um, the We see the stuff get transported to them, and Clem is saying how, you know, it's happened, and, and Riker turns on all the lights, turns on all the engines. He's like, put up the shields, set the phasers. We're going to call these people. And they, you know, they don't answer. They don't do anything. And they end up shooting at, like, the the cargo hole because, you know, just kind of be like, look what we can do. Um, but there's so much, like, ammunition and crazy things in there. It explodes the entire ship. It's like, oh, oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I just want Riker to go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because it was like, they could see what was on the, like, they had their little, you know, sensors figuring out the kind of stuff that was on the ship. So it's right. not like they didn't know what was on the ship. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, just go ahead and do that. Oh, yeah, I, Riker, I kind of Riker wish Riker would have, after this happened, would have just done the thing where, like, he, like, hooks his finger over his collar, like, and pulls it away, like, oh, like, that was awkward. Like, that would have been pretty <laughs> funny, actually. <laughs> like, oh. picture it like a cartoon character so not just like oh, oh that's wonderful <laughs> yeah I know. Riker's it's big just... man yeah 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 whatever <laughs> so uh we flash back to the wrong come on the Klingon ship the Klingon police <laughs> Klingons please don't get me I'm sorry nah, don't worry the Klingon police are <laughs> busy doing other stuff you're 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 good <laughs> <laughs> Klingon police. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I want that song changed into stuff about Klingons. So we're on the Klingon ship. Picard and Data are dressed mm-hmm. like Romulans. Data says he's eager to test their disguises. So for someone who thinks they don't have any kind yeah, of feelings, absolutely. At all, he sure has some. If you don't have any kind yeah. of feelings, buddy, how are you eager? Come on. <laughs> but it's hilarious because they have this tiny little case laying there and it's like we've seen them on the Klingon ship without the Romulan stuff so did they have were they surgically altered to have crazy so eyebrows and I think big what ears, happened pointy ears like on that ship or did they just do like like we were saying maybe yeah I think it's prosthetics in this case because it seems because we kind of see like um like a little plastic case here and it's it is yeah and, but it's tiny i know right um like, how'd they get all their makeup I, yeah in the future that? everything is very small and it fits in tiny cases i guess um <laughs> <laughs> well we've seen there's those, those like know. tube i, I keep telling you that, that their suitcase technology is light years ahead of ours uh 
You know, I giant cigars that they're carrying around. There you go. I I can't wait till our suitcase technology catches up. (laughs) But yeah, like I think it's definitely like they've they've brought on like that kit and they've just like I don't know super glued it to their faces and they hope it's gonna come off at some point. But with the ears and yeah. Yeah, they they want it to come off when they and, want it to come exactly. off, not come off yeah, yeah. at an opportune moment. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, a note I made was that, uh, like, Data's looking in the mirror, and my mom had that hand mirror. <laughs> it was hanging in our bathroom. Because <laughs> it's just a mirror with a mirror. It has a mirror on both sides, and then the whole thing is plas- clear plastic. So I guess it was, like, the set designers were like, this looks futuristic. Put it in the show. Futuristic. Yes, exactly. And I know that we had it uh, in this time period, so I think it finally like broke because you know it's like plastic resiny stuff, and you know, uh, <laughs> just after a few years, it got a little scratched up. But you know, um, <laughs> I just found it hilarious. You know, I like to pick out things yeah. in, like, modern-day stuff. Casing. Like, oh, they bought that yeah, at Target. They got that at Ikea. It's very funny. I agree. Yes. Or, yes. Or, like, or like you know, you're watching, like, Star Wars <laughs> oh, yeah. Episode yes, 1. It and it's like, is that a thing that's what we're talking to? Uh, <laughs> yes. Actually, it is. <laughs> uh, yes. I, lo- I-, I like looking at that stuff like i like figuring out what they use to make things and also like looking at things that are just obviously <laughs> well just it goes to like the prop and designers is, and i'm like hey credit for that. for <laughs> utilizing things that may mm-hmm. already look somewhat futuristic and then adapting it to make it even more so or just leaving it as is that's that's some that's some inventiveness by the props Oh, yes, if there's anyone out there listening that needs a prop yeah, I, designer, I would totally love to do I that. I do that for my work, too. And it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's so much fun to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always did when we did plays and stuff, as I was, like, the prop person. Like, it, it's super things and make things. And <laughs> well, that's properties master. Sure people put them designer. back where they were supposed to. <laughs> No, I, well, because, you know, it was basically me and one person who I asked to, like, oh, so you didn't make sure ever, you know, to get the Got props it. from people when they come off stage. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. Our teacher was supposed to be, but she wasn't. I don't know. She didn't, she didn't expect you know, stage a child managers to stage managers actually are the most in-demand job in the theater industry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the hardest job, too. Oh, Wow. Well, I've heard, yeah, no, I've heard as much from my because actors are awful. Before, and she's like, "I'm never doing it again." I know from experience. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go on, but then it just made me think. Yeah, actors even are stupid. Just the ones play. I knew in high school were awful, so <laughs> they weren't so bad. They weren't all as bad in college, but we had even fewer people in college. So, uh, all right. So, back to data with my mom's mirror. Uh, <laughs> yeah, once they're done, sort of looking at themselves and making sure they look all right, we see them go to the uh, 
I guess the bridge of this Klingon ship. They're going to be uh, transported off uh, down to Romulus. Uh, and <laughs> Kavada laughs so hard at this. And it's so great because I, you know, some people sometimes are always like, Worf, do you have a sense of humor? Do you laugh at things? And it's like, he's just all like, oh no, Klingons <laughs> don't laugh. And I'm like, you don't actually really know many Klingons. He was raised with They humans, laugh all the so... time at things that they think are funny. <laughs> yeah. And so he like wants to be yeah. like what he thinks of is like. Have you super, seen the like, the outtakes Klingon with Michael Dorn? Guy. Uh huh. I have. Oh my god. He he that dude oh, can laugh when he oh. breaks. He breaks hard. <laughs> it is so funny. He is the my favorite outtake out of every oh, man, Star Trek. Is Michael Dorn just like screwing up? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. There's a scene, I forget what episode it's from. He keeps trying to deliver this line, and then, like, he just keeps laughing at the line, and then he's laughing so much, like, he gets hiccups or something, and then, like, he can't get it out. Like, and he just, he cannot stop laughing, and it is the funniest thing to see him in full makeup, just uh -huh. out and out laughing so hard, because when he, gets, when he doesn't get it right, he just can't help himself. It's so funny. Yeah, he is the best outtake. Yeah, look on YouTube for Michael Dorn outtakes. It's it is oh, it's it's worth your while. It really is. Well, uh, I just want to say, as when this airs, uh, a couple weeks ago, I would have been <laughs> okay, at a cool. con that cool. he was at. So hopefully, he was there, and hopefully, I got to take my picture with Woo! him. If I did, I will post it. You know. The time travel magic. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be several people from different iterations of Star <laughs> Trek. Uh, we'll see who all gets to show up. Because <laughs> you never know with cons. Uh, especially since we're like <laughs> yeah. over a month out now and when we're recording this. <laughs> um, anyway, alright, let's get back to the show. <laughs> After Kavada laughs so hard, like my my favorite thing is he he says to Data that he needs to watch out or some Romulan might take a liking to him. Oh my god! Lick the paint off your ears. <laughs> and he also and he also was oh, <laughs> laughing. He also says, "You look so sweet." <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's so hilarious. Like this is this is a like one of the great uh, one of my favorite like sort of Klingon interactions just because it's just so hilarious and he's having so much fun making fun of them, you know. And Picard <laughs> is trying not to show that he is like not having any of this because they're helping him. <laughs> ah, good stuff. Um, <laughs> and so they go back and forth about. How, oh, this is a suicide mission. Oh, well, they're, they're hoping to get back. And then Kavada's like, I just remember, we we don't do rescue missions. So if something happens to you, you got to find your own way out. I mean, that's understandable. I mean, he didn't sign up for that. Uh, you know, he <laughs> technically didn't sign up for this at all. He got commanded to do it. But, you know, hey. <laughs> you know, he's a Klingon. He's going to follow his orders. <laughs> um. So then, um, the next scene we see 
Hardeck, uh, he walks into uh, the Romulan Pro Council's office, and uh, the Pro Council asks him if he knows Picard. He's got him up on a computer screen. He shows it to him. Picard's like, "Oh no, I don't. I've never heard of him or seen him. Or <laughs> I, I don't. I can't even tell what kind of species he is. What color is he wearing? I have no idea. I don't even know who I am. Who is this? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> right." Who are you? Where are we? <laughs> yeah, like, he, like, completely Funny. denies uh, anything. And it's like, anything? okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the pro-counsel, uh, he's like, well, I need to warn you that, you know, we've heard that Picard might be here. And just watch out, because he might be incognito. We may not, you know, we might have to look for someone <laughs> who's a little sketchy and not actually Romulan. You know? So Pardek's like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll I'll make sure everybody knows. And he leaves. So, our last scene of this episode, we have, um, we open on a street scene. It's on Romulus. Uh, Data and Picard are walking through, and they're trying to find the specific spot that they saw Spock in on that surveillance tape. And as they're trying to walk, and Data's trying to figure it out, <laughs> he keeps being, uh, Data ish <laughs> he just can't be anything other than data Act and picard's sober. like cool it man you know you're you're acting too robotic you need to be he's like yeah he's like he's like listen you're acting like a vulcan you need to act like a romulan <laughs> um but uh you know and so data's like trying to process that and then he says that he's figured out uh part of schedule so they know where they could go and what they can do, and they find, like, a solicitor's office that has the same, similar name, so they're probably related, that kind of thing. Um, and they see a place to eat. So they go in to eat some soup. They ask the lady there, um, oh, do you know when that opens? And so she thinks that there's something going on. You know, she's like, oh, is he in trouble? Because I guess she's excited that this guy's in trouble because he's maybe has to do something with the rebellion. Who knows? And... You know, they're like, no, no, we were just wondering. She So then, you know, she she takes the hint that they're not giving, that uh, he is trouble. And uh, so she's real nice to them and brings them soup and all that. And um, she says, like, she that, you know, she's basically saying it's pledging yes. her loyalty. And she says, Jolon True. Is that, like, something that they say a lot? Because I don't know if I'd remembered... I maybe think I it's just like a great. I think it's like uh, that, I think it's kind of like live like, long okay, and prosper, right, or like aloha. Like it's a hello yeah. goodbye. Like it's it could it's kind of like that because everybody just says it to each other. Gotcha. When they leave, they just say Jolan true. So it's uh yeah. I think it was established in this episode that that's what they say to each other. I don't think it was established before this, but that's kind of the sense I got it. I got from it. Yeah, I think this is the first okay. time that we this is like one of the first episodes where we get like the most uh time on Romulus even. Yeah, like it's really the first expanding. time we actually get like a Romulan cultural mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like before this it was really just more about how the Romulans are just so <laughs> secretive and you know like and yeah. Well, and what's ridiculous is it's this little space on the street, like on the street, <laughs> in the restaurant, and then like in a cave. Like oh, there's wow. a little bit in that office, but it's like 
it's not it's it's, it's not enough though. for you think you'd see the culture, <laughs> but at least people are talking about stuff. Um, right, right, right. It's more than we take. Um, but it's funny when they go into this restaurant and start talking to the server because people think he, Data's weird, and it's like he's from some town from somewhere else and then she's like you don't sound like you're from there and then it goes on <laughs> to explain how there's like 12 different dialects Sounds like C-3PO. blah 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 I, blah I, I love that data is mansplaining to this woman how her culture works <laughs> right, right like well actually uh your culture is he's yeah he's... data-splaining data-splaining he how her data-splaining works, which is just hilarious Because you know, data's gonna data's actually gonna data. be right. What are you gonna do? Just maybe not right. nice. <laughs> <laughs> data's got a data. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. Uh, so you know, they try to act natural. They see some guards come in and kind of stand over. The other place and they're like okay let's uh let's be cool let's get out of here <laughs> and you know and you can just you oh yakety sax played that yakety sax is about pride to play, so have to joy if, if they ran in out of in out of doors like hilarious yes i was gonna say how hilarious would that be if then we just saw them they because they yeah. don't get chased they basically just get grabbed like they walk like two feet out of the building and then they're grabbed but like if they just ran around in circles and like through different doors and then you see yes. their like heads popping oh, out yes. of barrels and stuff cut cut to the extra scene of the enterprise members in a band playing some 60s 60s psychedelic rock a la scooby style like this episode just can't get i mean I know. It's like just, lights, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty like funny. crazy colored lights flashing. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh my god. Okay, we digress. <laughs> so, you know, they get like carried off by these guards, and then we see the guards are taking them down these stairs in this cave, and it's like, oh, what are they gonna do to them in this cave? Well, we find out that this is a rebel base basically like a place where like they're you know people who want to reunite with the vulcans spread their cause and that kind of thing uh hide out so they don't get in trouble um <laughs> you know while they're practicing vulcan <laughs> things you know doing the vulcan al- alphabet or whatever <laughs> they pass through there just to tell somebody live long and prosper you know uh <laughs> And, well, and then we see Pardek appear, and he had been outside, and that's why they were going to, like, book it, because they wanted to get away from the guards, but they also wanted to follow him. Well, he's like, oh, yes, I am, I am here with them, and I am their friend, and I will help them rebel, because I also want this, you know. We're like, okay, whatever. And so then we hear a voice, and it's Spock. And then we see him. Mm-hmm. And that's the end. I, I love episode. how Picard is like, you know, yes. I'm on urgent mission. I must. I'm looking for Ambassador Spock. And then here comes Leonard Nimoy. Indeed, Captain, you have found him. What a Spock yes, thing yes. to say! <laughs> like it's the Spockiest <laughs> thing you could have said. And yeah, I, I remember. I just remember like watching this. Spock got a Spock. Well, Spock got a Spock. And Spock got a Spock. I just have to say that for everything. So yeah. I. 
Like, yes, Spock is super. Yeah. Spock I... is super Spock, and Data is super Data at the end of this episode, for sure. That's amazing. The last five minutes, totally, totally Data, totally Spock. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm I think it's funny I'm is that I think Spock is the uh, biggest. It's not. Like, it's definitely amazing. <laughs> dramatic character out of all these. Like, like he he's all about those ridiculous reveals throughout his entire arc, starting with the original series. It's it's Spock being super dramatic about things, even though he's supposedly unemotional. Mm-hmm. Like everything he ever says is this super dramatic reveal, and it's amazing. I love it every oh. single time. Listen, it's his human half that likes the drama, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You know. She lived long in the original timeline. She was very dramatic. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Probably died somewhere. I was reading (laughs) about it when I was watching that other episode. Uh, Sarek, when I was watching that episode about how she probably died in between somewhere between a movie Aaron. and that episode, and then now he had a new be, human, you know, <laughs> a new human one, a new one, <laughs> Jerry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyway, <laughs> so that was the end of this episode. Does anybody, any, either of you, have anything you want to say before we, um, before we end, or do you just um, you can leave? I thought it was a great setup for uh, part two episode. If you'd like, uh, it definitely, it definitely established the stakes uh, of what's to come. And I appreciate that for that. But overall, it's not the strongest episode because it is just a setup for part two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There were a yeah. lot of things happening. You're right. The, this is the happen. setup episode. Episode two is the payoff sense. episode. Um, I, I remember when I was younger watching this live thinking there's not mm-hmm. like, when is, when is Spock going to show up? Like, <laughs> like where is Spock? You know, it, it was like almost just to go back to Star right. Wars. It's like when you're watching Force Awakens, you're like, well, where the hell is Luke Skywalker already? Yeah. Where yeah. is he? We got the map. Where is he? You know, and he shows up <laughs> at the very end and then doesn't say anything. And at least here, Spock, here, Spock says something. But well, like, you I can't do... let Leonard Nimoy's voice go but to waste. But Spock talks no, in this. No, never, never. <laughs> right. Right, like you were talking, uh, Neil. You were talking earlier about um, mm-hmm. Spock and Picard talking in, you know, like the next episode or whatever. And it's like, I, I mean, they could just—they could have just taken turns reading the totally. dictionary and <laughs> for me, and that would have been. Fine they both like have iconic voices. They just both have very cool voices. <laughs> yeah. Like I love Litter Nimoy's voice because it's sort of it's, it's weird. Nice, deep, There's like this sort of a voice. weird cadence to the way he talks. Even you know. Yes, yes. It's right. not like William Shatner that has that certain real easy to his voice to that everybody exaggerates when they pretend oh, yeah, yeah. to be him or whatever. It's not easy to you impersonate Litter Nimoy. Right. Yeah, and you know, and his. No, because 
William Shatner has just sort of a certain cadence and sort of a normal mm-hmm. voice, whereas Leonard Nimoy has this very smooth, deeper voice. And he always seems really calm when he talks, uh. like as a normal person. <laughs> so he seems so much like Spock the yeah. way he talks, just with more emotion. So, but it's it's kind of soothing. And then, yeah, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. it, Patrick Stewart could talk to me all day long. That would be fine. <laughs> all right. So, we, the three of us will return in part two. And so... I've been Rebecca. <laughs> and I've been Neil. So, until then. Yay! I've been, I've been Neil. It's true. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, and you're coming back. <laughs> it's just uh, like the end of the episode. Neil, return. And, uh, it is. It's like, <laughs> so... indeed, you have found me, Neil. I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> so... I have arrived. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also kind of like at the end of a Marvel movie. You know, Neil will return <laughs> in Avengers: Age of Ultron. Like, he'll be back, everybody. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I know. I should have said he was returning like in Infinity War and or something. I know. I don't know why I said Ultron. Sorry. It is not the best. That's All true. Right. All right. Neil, I would have said you were returning in game because that one's my favorite. <laughs> All right. So, bye for now. Go boldly where no one has gone before. Cardcast is hosted by Brooke and Rebecca. You can find us at facebook.com slash PicardCast, on twitter.com at the PicardCast, or email us at PicardCast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.